This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 111. Welcome to Dollars and Change. I'm Cheryl Kuhlman, and I'm joined here with one of my guest hosts. I'm Nick Ashburn. And then today we actually have a very special guest host, our producer, Matt Johnson. This is Matt's last show with us, our Hi. very last. And so we're bringing him on. I get to hang out with you guys you now. get to hang out with us. He's actually uh, just enrolled as a student in the Wharton MBA program, so he's going to be seeing... Uh, firsthand about the business of social change using business practices, etc. So we're we're sorry to be losing you as a producer, but uh, we'll be intrigued to have you as a student. That's right. Well, we've been preaching it for a while we about social impact, so now I'm going to live it a little uh-huh, bit uh-huh. You were going sold. into the NBA. Yeah, exactly. You, you guys convinced sold. me. But what I'm worried about is Matt also produces Moneyball. I think he's just going to go into to sports <laughs> management instead. He's, he, he's going to do a switch, bait and switch I on know. Us. We're going to have to watch him carefully. We'll exactly. Watch him carefully. We also had a, another intern who worked with us. Uh, over the past year, a fellow, uh, Zach, who also is uh, becoming a, a Wharton MBA student. So we think we're uh, we're sort of like infiltrating. We're infiltrating the exactly. Wharton community. Well, if you want proof that the program's working, you know, this is, this is <laughs> this proof is that this we're convincing, you guys are convincing us to enroll. We have, uh, we have enroll. two data points. <laughs> <laughs> Can draw a line between the two. That's, exactly. That starts. That starts. Exactly. Well, so let me talk a little bit about our show, um, and then we can get into it uh, rather quickly. Uh, today at 8.30, we have DeRoy Peraza, who's the founder and creative director for HyperAct. This is about designing for social good. You know, whether it's the Ford Foundation, Spotify, or the UN, the design agency HyperCat, HyperAct has helped change makers find compelling means to engage audiences and convey their story of impact. We'll explore what goes into this process of designing for good. And we know that there's a lot of interest in, in design thinking around social impact. It's a way to kind of um, bring a little bit more creativity, authenticity, and I think a, a real groundedness to some of these issues. Yeah, I think what what is most important in that is the, the broad stakeholder engagement and the contextualization. You know, we're not in sort of Washington, D.C. at a big NGO, just sort of... Or the ivory tower. Or the ivory tower. Right. And how do we get out of it? How do we really design for impact on the ground? Yeah. And then uh, after the break at 9 o'clock, we'll be joined by Peter Georgescu, who's the chairman emeritus of Young and Rumican. And this is the fun part. He's the author of Capitalist Arise, End Economic Inequality, Grow the Middle Class, Heal the Nation. Oh, that's a charge. <laughs> you think about Heal that, the nation. <laughs> we exactly. are the world. <laughs> and this is, you know, this is basically a call to the private sector, and, and that kind of resonates with us very well. That's right. Georgesco ran one of the largest marketing and communication companies in the world, and today he's looking at his fellow business leaders to help drive change. We'll discuss the issues of uh, income inequality and the big... Uh, the business case for companies to address the wage gap. And he had a big article in Knowledge at Wharton recently, but also the New York Times, so right. people may have read it there. Yeah, yeah. And it, I read it and it was actually really interesting and great. And then we'll close off the segment with Adam Braun, who's the CEO and co-founder of Mission U. He is also the founder of Pencils for Promise. And we had him um, on the show to talk about Pencils about for Promise before. About a year ago. About a year ago. Yeah. Um, and now he's coming with his new... Uh, startup Mission U. And this is about rethinking education. I mean, having successfully launched the Pencils of Promise nonprofit, he's now trying to 
disrupt education um, and looking at a for-profit model to reimagine higher education. So that'll be a, a really great discussion. Yeah, absolutely. And what was cool with him was he had like a zero upfront cost in his model. So it'll be interesting to see how they can last for the long term with that. Yeah, especially this is their first cohort. So they must have gotten venture funding or maybe he's bootstrapping. So I'm sort of interested to find that out. He certainly, yeah, exactly. But we're going to open with Ken Lander, who's the founder and chief sustainability officer of Thrive Farmers. Now, we've had Ken on before when he was really talking about the business behind your morning brew. Thrive Farmers is restructuring the coffee supply chain to help create greater greater economic sustainability for coffee farmers. So it's really trying to make sure that the, the the profits from the coffee are really going to the farmers who are doing the growing it and not to all the middle stages between. Uh, it's a model called Farmer Direct, and it's an effort Ken's been working on since 2010. So, Ken, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here again. It's How good. are you guys doing today? We're doing good. It's good to have you. You're calling us from uh, Costa Rica, Matt said? I am. I'm calling you from Costa Rica this morning on my coffee farm. Wow. I would rather be in Costa Rica today. <laughs> you got better coffee than us right now. <laughs> People actually complain. Sometimes they hear the birds too much. They go, I, can't, I hear all these birds everywhere. I'm like, well, I, I, you know, my, my, I, I live on a coffee farm. There's lots of birds here, so... <laughs> I don't know if you guys can hear the birds, but sometimes people can. Not yet. I think we need a road trip. We haven't a, a road, road trip? trip. <laughs> I don't think I'm driving down the coast of Rica, Cheryl. <laughs> well, a metaphorical road trip. You know, I think we need to go visit to judge the authenticity. So absolutely. So, Ken, for people who haven't um, heard the show before, maybe haven't heard about Thrive Farmers, tell us about the Farmer Direct model and how it cuts out, uh, helps uh, affect the. Uh, some of the social issues that are going around in the industry about, um, really, frankly, pricing and economic in, uh, inclusion. Really, that's the well. You know, it all started here on this coffee farm when, uh, and basically, what I did um, early on was I realized that the only way to really make money in coffee was to get closer to the consumer. So we were farmers of coffee. We began to sell coffee directly to tourists here in Costa Rica, and we realized that's where. The economic power is where the on the demand side of coffee, not on the supply side of coffee. And so, so we started a company that basically takes farmers to market. Our, that's our that's our that's our passion. Our sole passion is to take farmers to market, not just their product, and allow them to participate in the the real economic realities of coffee on the demand side. So, what happens is is that we have enterprise level clients that that uh, that then partner directly through us with farmers, and those farmers um, sell their coffee directly into these into these coffee programs for uh, large enterprise customers. And as a result of that, they share in the revenue on the demand side, not just on the supply side, and that is disconnected from the overall commodities market. So, what 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 a customer pays in the United States for coffee doesn't really change much over time. It, it really just kind of trends up linearly. But a farmer is subject to these huge wide swings in the commodities market. And so what we did is we, we, we basically collapsed the value chain, integrated it, took out all the parts that were basically just buy-sells, and created a direct model where farmers can be a part of uh, a large coffee deal in the United States. So, Ken, this is Nick, and I'm kind of curious. Maybe I haven't had enough coffee this morning. We talked about mm. collapsing the value chain and linear integration. And so for our listeners um, who may not fully understand 
how the traditional model in coffee works. Can you help us set up the problem and, and how it traditionally works in the coffee industry? Absolutely, yeah. So the problem is is that the beginning of the value chain is obviously a coffee plant and a coffee farmer. 85% of the specialty coffee grown in the United States, is, I mean in the world, is grown by smallholder farmers around the world. Mm-hmm. And so the, 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 the traditional problem has been that farmers grow it and they have very little access to market. They only they, they really have maybe one avenue or one channel because when you pick a cherry, which is a coffee bean which has two seeds in it usually, when you pick a cherry, it only has about 24 hours before it goes bad. Mm. So you have to get it into the value chain quickly. You have to get it processed. And so what happened in coffee over time is that it's created all these little levels of buy-sells across the value chain. And you can have in Central America, for example, um, five to seven different intermediaries between the farmer up to, you know, where it actually gets into the demand side of the value chain. And those intermediaries could be the people who are buying the beans and then roasting the beans and then packaging and all of those, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct. So basically what you get is is... this huge speculation thing going across the value chain. Everybody's buy selling, so everybody's looking at the New York Sea market. And so what happens is the farmer is the, the the least in a position to be able to control his price because he is the the literally the beginning of the value chain. So what we did is we we integrated that. We connected the farmer and brought him or her closer to the consumer. And and as a result of that, what happens is, is that the, st- the price is, is stable, it's, it's predictable, and it's higher. So does that mean that you're now the only intermediary, really? Well, yeah, and you know, we're not really an intermediary. What we are more is a platform. We, we are we – are, we are a so, – so you think about the interme- – the traditional intermediaries would be the mill that processed the cherry, the mill that prepared it for export – um, the guy with the truck getting it to the mill, the guy getting it from the exporting uh, facility to the port, for example. Those are the kinds of things. And, and those traditionally were just buy-sells. I'll buy the coffee, and then I'll sell it to someone else down the value chain. Mm-hmm. And so what we did is we took all of that out, and we created a fee-for-service model in which basically we just pay for those services. So the coffee goes all the way through to the customer, and and really, there's no buy selling. It's it's basically it goes from from the plant all the way through to to the customer buying it as a finished product. Got and it. then there's fees along the way, you know, basically to roast it and do all the things that used to be done. We didn't change how coffee was done. We just basically changed the economics behind it. And so, I mean, at the end of the day, what this is doing is is hopefully putting more money in the pockets of the coffee growers and these smallholder farmers. That's correct, and that's exactly what it's doing. We've been doing it now. We're in our, I guess, our fifth full crop year um, uh, of, of, of full-on doing business. And, you know, we're seeing, you know, 2x, 3x, uh, 4x times of the net incomes that these farmers would be receiving in the past. And they absolutely love us because because – now we've shown a track record. Now, now, we're, now we're not just an idea. We've been doing it now, and they, you know, we have calls every day of farmers that want us to want to be in the system. Yeah, I was, I was, that's the question I was going to have. How does a farmer, you know, get get to join the system, and what does it take? 
Well, you know, like everything in co- everything in business, really, pretty much everything in coffee too is is relationship. And so, we we what we learned what we learned early on is that you have to go into a market and you can't go in and change things. You have to go in and kind of slowly and 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 build relationship because coffee is a handshake face-to-face kind of a business and really you can have all the paperwork in the world but at the end of the day it's did you did you do what you said you were going to do and did you pay me at the end and that has what's really borne out in 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 in, in huge results for us because we have a reputation now of, of wow you, you guys you guys really do what you say you're going to do the market is its lowest it's been in many 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 years right now and you're still paying um uh, uh, based upon this deal that was started, you know, three years ago or two years ago or one year ago, and so that's 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 what's happening. So, can so if it's, it's really a- by relationship. It come, you know, they, they, we, we meet farmers through other farmers. We go into countries that we've you know, we've known someone there, and that's how it all begins. And and Ken, what what countries are you in right now? This is Matt, by the way. What countries have you started? Where did you originally start? We started in Costa Rica. Um, quickly moved to Guatemala, Honduras. Um, we we we're 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 pretty much all in Central America. We've now moved into Africa. Um, we are in South America and Brazil. Um, and does the coffee model change in these? You know, when you're talking about going into a different continent, does the does your approach have to differ? It does. It really does because there's a lot of different laws around coffee. Um, there's also just customs and traditions around coffee. There are cultural there are cultural walls that you have to pass through that of, of just trust and how people do business and you know even how coffee moves you know in, in Costa Rica it's traditionally moved in green bean um, like the the thing the little bean you roast um, that's that's how it's measured but in some countries it's it's pergamino it's one step back basically with a little shell around it so it just it uh, different kinds of weights, different measures, different volumes. I mean, it's it, it's very complicated. People think coffee is 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 very complicated. And Ken, this is Nick again. I I guess so. I I have to admit, like I I think I missed your your first segment um a, a little over a year ago. Bad boy. I know. I, well, I wasn't hosting, and you know I had work to do. Um, but I, my question for you is, you know, this sounds like it. You're expanding. This is a commercially viable business, but you know. Where I want to go is is talking about being a certified B Corps in that process. But sure. first, I want to better understand, like, why did you get in this? Like, why do you care? Because he's living on a coffee farm in Costa Rica well, listening to the birds. Well, now he is. <laughs> now he is. That's a great question. And, and I think that really matters about any business is the story behind it um, and the why, right? And the why is really, really simple. The why is two things. One, I moved to Costa Rica not to be a coffee farmer. I moved to Costa Rica not to be a lawyer. Ah. Um and recovering. <laughs> I came to Costa Rica, and I was investing in real estate in the United States. And in 2008, I lost all my money in real estate and literally was sitting on a coffee farm in Costa Rica with a family and trying to figure out how to feed them. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that the coffee that we were growing was being sold in the United States, roasted for $30,000, and my net profit was 600 bucks as a small coffee farmer in Costa Rica, I couldn't understand as a trial lawyer how that was just or how it worked or anything. So I just dug in, rolled up my sleeves like I would for any case, and figured out that the value chain was all uh, upside down. I mean, the, 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 the people that are actually generating the supply have nothing to do with the real value and the demand. And so 
um, we started a coffee shop and we started selling to tourists. And when we realized that when we could sell our our, our uh, prima materia and turn it into roasted beans and sell it to tourists and have a relationship with them, with them, that was the real power in the economic model. So that's it's basically for so I could survive. And um, and then I met this guy whose father-in-law is a Jamaican Blue Mountain coffee farmer who had started an Inc. 500 company in the medical implant device space who was taking a six-month six sabbatical trying to figure out his father-in-law's coffee business. And we connected, and he's the one that, that really, Michael Jones, he took it to the next level because he understood how to, to value change and how to scale. And so we, that's how we started. But it's interesting because you're... Yeah, it's interesting because your experience helped you really empathize, though, with the local communities and the local coffee roasters, Absolutely. too. Yeah, I mean, I, there was a point in time when I was living on the same amount of money as a as a, as a smallholder coffee farmer in my community here in Costa Rica. Right, and so I mean, we're talking about a, a month's grocery bill of two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't make ends meet. Wow. wow. You're listening to we Dollars and Change on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. And we're talking to Ken Lander, who's the founder and chief sustainability officer of Thrive Farmers. It's a, it's the business behind your morning brew. And we're actually looking at a, a pound of coffee here with a farmer's picture. Enrique <laughs> Ferrofino, who's in uh, Nicaragua. He's our coffee Yeah, guy. Ricky Ferrofino, the Ferrofino family. We've got the props yeah. all around us. We got the props. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a mug. <laughs> a great family. You know, a great example of of one of the ways we entered in Nicaragua was that the Farafinos are are large farmers. They're not small. They have a huge estate, but they realize as well that they have all of this great infrastructure and they have all these out far, out uh, out farmers around them that are smallholder farmers, and they were able to put those those farmers together and bring them into the uh, to the far, Thrive model with us, and oh, it really worked yeah. well. Yeah, that sounds great. And, and one yeah. of the great things about the packaging is you've got the, uh, you know, the face of the farmer. It's it's really, yep. you know, that you're you're telling that story yep. about uh, about the farmer's you know process in in creating the coffee. And the story's in the back, a little, a little paragraph about. There's the also a hashtag, story. know who grows. Yeah, oh, I didn't even see that. Know so you grows. got the social media. <laughs> yeah, but, we're 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 really examining this bag. Of coffee. <laughs> nice. <laughs> But Ken, how do you, how do you communicate? You know how your supply chain is different than, say, other coffee companies out there, or other you know uh, anyone beans can put out a there. Exactly. Of, of some farmer or their coffee. Exactly. How are you communicating that supply chain to the to the end consumer? Well, I mean, you have to. I mean, it, you know, it it is hard. That is, I would say, that has been of of of, of the challenges of the startup. Um, which is not a startup anymore, but the challenges of starting this company up was explaining to people that we're different. And really the way we've been able to do that ultimately is by a brand, reputa- brand repu- reputation. Um, you know, driving, driving our purpose first as a company, not trying to explain so much, but then let the farmers explain it. Let, let our customers explain it. And 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 let them say, wow, you know, we've met these farmers, we've met this company, and these farmers are truly making a lot more money than they used to. And then a little over time, over time, we've built a very, you know, we've built a reputation for that. And and I think it's going to only continue to grow. I mean, we've we've uh, we've 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 seen that we've seen the the shift now where people are uh, during talking about social impact and purpose 
and they want to act on it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so when you present someone with a question and you say, do you want the coffee that you actually sell to actually do what it says you're saying it's going to do? Other than wake you, us up. you lay out the business case um, for them, then, 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 then they start, you know, their ears perk up and they go, well, well tell us more. And so, Ken, uh, I'm looking at the bag again, and maybe this, mm -hmm. you know, we didn't buy this today. I'm not seeing anything besides Know Who Grows that would tell me too much about it. But you did recently mm -hmm. go, or you just became a certified B Corp. Um, right, right. Is that we, going uh, we, to help you in, in what you were describing? Absolutely. Um, we were really excited about that. I mean, this that was a year-long process for us to become a B Corp. We've heard and it's it intense. Really yeah. because we, they didn't want us to be. It was because cause we, they had to understand how we worked and understand how, how it worked. So, so we, we actually um, became a B Corp uh, last January. Just this past so, January. Yeah. And so will yeah. that start appearing on your labels? It will. Yeah. It will. We're, we're actually doing a complete redesign right now on packaging and stuff. So. And so, so. The, the for our listeners, you know, so we, we talk about this all the time, but just to remind our listeners, you know, a certified B Corp, you go through this intense yeah. process. It's a, it's a really lengthy survey. They do audit um, a good number of their companies to make sure that it's, you know, actually happening. Um, and you have to score. You have to score on this survey a specific threshold. And for different industries, different things are weighted. You know, like what sort of material, both from a social impact perspective, but also a financial right, perspective, right. is different per industry. So, um, what were some of the things when you went through the survey, Ken, um, and the certification process? What were some of those things that made you go, huh? Like, we do really well on this, uh, and maybe we need to consider other areas. Right, because BigQuery always does talk about this being a, a, a tool for reflection. Yeah. Right? It gives you a chance to think about what you're doing. Well, that's a, that. You, we learned a lot. Oh, boy, did we learn a lot during this <laughs> process. One thing we learned was is that the world didn't understand how we, how we um, did what we did. And we didn't fit into this box of like a little you know, a little label or sticker on the back of a bag. It didn't work like that. So we actually had to become very conversant in communicating with them about the number of farmers that we work with, the economic impact and those kind of things. And really, with because we're, we're an audited company, we audit ourselves every year, we showed them the numbers and they're like, wow, really? And so basically... The questions changed from one year to the next, um, and the, well, the questions kind of moved away from the words of certification to more of how many smallholder farmers are you working with and what's the economic impact. And when we showed them that and when we were allowed to present that kind of information and that conversation began, that's when we took off. And that's where we won. I mean, we really didn't change anything in our model, and it just fit right into the B Corp certification. Things that we've learned, um, uh, carbon footprint. Uh-huh. Um, things that we need to work on, um, uh, you know, the environmental piece, I would say, is the biggest one. The economic and social sustainability pieces uh, we're, 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 we're really good on. And so I think one of the things that we're working on now is how we channel our economic model and allow our whole supply chain to be more environmentally sustainable as well. You know, Ken, I'm thinking about your model, and I, I think I had the same thought last time when you were on the show with us. The the kind of uh, approach you have of working with directly with the, the farmers and, and getting more of the uh, economic benefits to them, 
surely that can be applied to other kinds of small farm holder products. Is there any? Oh, uh, lots change. Yeah, yeah. For Is there sure. any thought around you, that? Well, we've actually just launched tea. Ah. Um, so really excited about that. Um, and uh, we've actually decided to start with Sri Lanka Ceylon tea because Sri Lanka is a company. I mean, is a, is a country that has had tremendous advances in, in human rights and, and economic rights for farmers. Um, and so we started in Sri Lanka, and uh, we're a, we have a value chain now of, of over 8,000 smallholder farmers that we're connected to through three different mills there. And um, we are uh, beginning to launch our tea. We actually sold our first case of tea this year. Great. Is and it under the same brand? Under the same brand, Thrive Farmers. It would be Thrive Farmers Tea. Great. So a lot's changed. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Um, it, it, we're really excited about it. You talk about the economic model for farmers. Wow. Tea is, is, a, is just a whole other area um, where there are so many human rights issues. I mean, just enormous amounts of issues. And so we really wanted to start like we did in Costa Rica with a country that, that was advanced and progressive on those issues so that we could, we could do that well. And um, and and we've we've launched. It's been a it's been a two and a half year process. So, congratulations on that. Yeah, thanks. Matt's got a and Ken, and Ken, when you're uh, when you're entering these you know new basically new products, um, uh-huh. are you are you looking towards other? Any, is there anyone else? Because when I think of coffee, I think of like fair fair trade coffee. Are there uh-huh. any other right. models that you're looking towards when you're entering, say say tea? No, we, we actually we, 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 we actually required um, in that whole process the I mean things change the value chains are completely different right so you you know things change how things move uh, how people are organized all the things change but one thing that's a uh, is, is 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 a deal breaker for us is if you can't apply our economic model which means basically the farmers get their their rice and beans money on the front end, their, their daily, the stuff they need to live and do well and invest in their farm, that comes at the front end. But when it's time to actually share the revenue at the end, when we sell a deal, uh, we want to have a way to, sell, to send that second payment back to the farmer and uh, directly to the farmer. And, um, and so we have to find ways to do that, and we have. And it's been very successful, and, and I think it's going to be the same way in tea as well. And Ken, you also I, what I'm what I was reading in the background information is you launched a recent partnership with Lutheran World Relief. Uh, what's that about? Yeah. We're really excited about that. Um, so Lutheran World Relief has been in the in the uh, helping smallholder farmers for decades. I mean they they have done amazing things in basically uh, dealing with the the income gap. Um, for farmers, you know, closing the gap between the the needs of a farmer and the actual uh, income of a farmer, um, and 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 they've done it, um, you know, working on the ground, uh, uh, technically helping farmers learn how to grow better, um, and, and some of the you know trying to give them uh, better chances to get to markets and. And, and in a lot of different ways, they've they've done they've done great things. You know, diversification of income. They've done they've done a lot of different things. But the power of this relationship is the fact that now you've got a for-profit business that's designed to take farmers to market, and you're you're introducing them to a nonprofit that has a huge 
a huge um, network of people that buy Lutheran World Relief coffee on a on a on a national scale, mm. and you're now bringing in a partner to actually do the coffee piece in a way that Lutheran World Relief now has its own coffee brand, and they can sell directly to their 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 constituents, all the different stakeholders in there in on the demand side, and because of the way our model works, use the coffee that's actually grown by the farmers that they've historically helped and sell it into their constituency. Yeah, that's so, a great fit. It's a great fit. It sounds like, you know, because I think when I thought about that question, it was like, oh, what do you get out of that partnership? But really, they are getting a trusted partner given your practices that they feel good about aligning their values with, right? Right, right. And and it's, compl- it's, in, and it's completely integrated. So basically, we... We, you know, we're, we're, that's what we do. I mean, hey, we work with this co-op in Nicaragua. Would you mind talking to them and seeing if there are qualities there and if there's a way that we could work together? <clears throat> Can you guys set up a value chain, you know, it, it, you know, do all the stuff that you do to make it get to us and then basically help us sell it and, and, and bring the farmer to our, our customers in the United States? It's phenomenal. So now not only are they helping – are they helping with the, the actual um, on the ground with the farmers? They're giving them a market, and then on top of that, Thrive donates um, uh, 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 money back into to Lutheran World Relief to do their, their their work, and also partner with our foundation on the ground. And as and uh, Ken, as you're foundation. as you're talking about this, you know, partnership and and collaboration. I'm thinking about, you know, we were talking earlier about B Corp, and you're really entering basically a network of all these other companies mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. focused on, you know, doing right. good. And I'm I'm curious, right. you know, as you enter this community, what have you learned from maybe other B Corps or you know studying other models? Because when I think about your model, your model is really a lesson about the supply chain, right? And I'm right. curious, you know, what what have you learned from maybe some other B Corps, or what are you looking to learn as as you now enter this new stage? Well, we're we're learning a lot. Um, especially, there's a lot of companies doing some really creative stuff in energy, um, and and uh, and and water conservation and those kinds of things. So, uh, we're we're looking at you know the, the community is really interesting because B Corp community becomes this. I don't, I don't know. It's like coming home almost. It's like it's like. You don't have to kind of explain your business yeah. case to somebody. Yeah. You know, you, you, you just you, – you walk in and everybody goes, oh, I get it. And then you get on with the idea of how do we work together. Um, and, and so we're learning a lot about environment, a lot about environment from people. People are learning a lot about supply chain from us. And what we're hoping is is other B Corp companies that are engaged in, you know, engaged in using coffee – will want to create basically completely B Corp certified value chains in coffee. Sounds great. And and that's what we want to do. Well, Ken, we are, to, we're at the end of our segment. We've been talking with Ken Lander, who's the founder and chief sustainability officer of Thrive Farmers. Uh, take a look at their, their products, coffee. Check out their and, coffee. And now tea. Um, and when we return, we'll be talking to DeRoy Parazza, who's the founder and creative director for HyperAct. And this is about designing for social good, but also communicating, which is interesting because Ken said that was one of the hard things. How do you communicate what you've got? And so yep. we'll get some insight from that. This is Dollars and Change on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School, and we will be back shortly. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.